for all of you, uh, this is another podcast with uh, uh, Halftime Talk with Chris. And today I'm going to be the host. Chris just going to stay on the bench. So he's not going <laughs> to do anything. He's just going to shoot some questions for Reedy. And I'm going to handle this on the best way possible. So uh, we have here with us uh, Coach uh, Reedy Dauti, which is uh, he lives in New York and he works for New York uh, Cosmos. And he also works uh, for... Uh, academy or youth uh, team but on New York Cosmos uh, he works like assistant coach and also he is a head coach for Jay, John Jay College which is in New York so for more Reedy can you speak uh, about yourself a little so everyone who listening can know more about you please yeah, of course. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been coaching soccer for about 10 years now here in the U.S. And uh, my most recent experiences and probably kind of like the highlights so far of, of my career, of my journey, have been uh, being an assistant coach with, uh, with uh, the New York Cosmos first team. My main kind of like roles are in terms of uh, scouting players and, and also analyzing opponents. Uh, those are my main responsibilities as an assistant. And then uh, I'm also the head coach at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Uh, I've had three years as a head coach over there. Uh, in my last year, in 2019, we, were, uh, we won the first uh, conference championship in, in the program history. Uh, so that was quite a okay. big achievement. And in uh, 2017, uh, we made the conference final on my first year as a head coach and uh, I uh, I was voted as the coach of the year for uh, for that season. Um, in terms of uh, my academic formation, I have a, a bachelor degree in uh, in coaching from SUNY Cortland University, and I also have the the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, A senior license. Okay, good. So, Reedy. Uh... So you said that you do scouting and you also do the analyze of the team, and let's let's call this because New York Cosmos is like a professional team or is a semi-professional. It's a it's a professional team. So it's a professional team. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's start with this uh, professional level since mm -hmm. you are there and uh, you might see a lot of things. So what do they need, kids? or youth uh, players, what do they need to, to get all the way on professional level? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I would say it's, it's different things because obviously you know, a youth player is, is long and uh, I think there's different stages. Obviously, a youth player early on in their career, they, they need to build a very strong, um, a very strong technical foundation a uh, really good relationship with the ball, a uh, really good first touch. And then uh, along with that comes a, a very good tactical understanding of the game along with, with uh, physical qualities. Now, those qualities can be relevant to, to each player's position and they can be, uh, uh, how to say, uh, you, you know, they have to develop certain skills that can specialize them in a certain position to make them kind of like experts of that position. And then uh, towards the, the 
later part of, of the youth development years, uh, I think it's very important also for the mindset, for that personality uh, part to, to come together along with the, the technical, the tactical mm-hmm. and the physical. So to, to be able to create uh, a player that is uh, complete, you know, a complete and well-rounded player. I think players who, who kind of like tick all these boxes usually, uh, they, they, they can, not usually because you also need a little bit of luck, but at the same time, uh, if you tick all these boxes, you have a, you put yourself into a very good, um, uh, kind of like a, a very good position to, to get scouted by a pro team and to, to make it at the pro level. And then that personality mm-hmm. aspect, I think it's very important to, to keep you there. Because uh, even though I've only been involved with the first team with Cosmos for a few months, but I can definitely see that uh, uh, different personalities that players have and how that has helped them in, in careers. Uh, whether some of them, because of this personality, they have managed to stay at the top for a, for a long time, or or mm-hmm. sometimes some of them they 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 have the talent, but that personality aspect either makes them not play the level they should be playing, or maybe just not being able to hold on to the to the pro level for for too long. Okay. Okay, so you guys hear what he's saying. So you better do your best to reach if you want the professional level, but it's hard work like always. So, Ridi, let's go back to college uh, level because here in U.S., uh, players uh, make professional through college, Mm -hmm. which is uh, just in U.S. On Europe is a different story, is different yeah, well, it's so changing a little bit over here it? too because obviously now you have the MLS academies and, and a lot of pro clubs or pretty much most of the pro clubs, they also have their own academies. So now there is a pathway mm-hmm. to make it pro without going to college. But obviously going through college and especially when you're playing in in top division, uh, in, in some of the top D1s or some, even D2 colleges, you have you put your you have a good chance to to make the MLS draft and and to be able to sign a, a contract. But I, I think both routes mm-hmm. are possible now in the US. Before it was only the college yeah. route. Now it's it's kind of both. Uh, yeah, that's good to hear and to know. Mm-hmm. So, for for me, I I kind of like the way uh, making professional through college because. You, you can do both. You can get a degree, you can get a bachelor's degree, and you can, you can ha- get a professional uh, career in soccer if you make it. Yeah. So what are, what are some, like, some things that you look to the freshman players, like when, when, when new players come to college, mm-hmm. what are some things that you look, what are, is, what techniques or what do you look on new players to bring them to the team? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think this is uh, this question is kind of like very specific to to each coach's kind of like uh, ideas of the game and and the way that each coach. You know, I don't think there's, but I will tell you 
for my perspective and it could be different with a lot of what other coaches look at but this is what I what I see for me one of the one of the big jumps that I noticed from players who are playing at the U17 or U18 or or even either U19 teams and are about to go and become college players in in a few months so obviously if you're playing on a U19 team usually your season is ending around May or June and then in August you're starting your season with your college team so it's just a few months after the biggest okay. the biggest uh, uh, thing that i noticed the biggest kind of like disconnect is uh, the tactical understanding of the game between youth players uh, and i think this happens for a few reasons no, the number one reason is because a lot of teams uh, practice in very small spaces a lot of youth teams in this country they practice in in a quarter of a field uh, you have to sometimes even get less than a quarter uh, and and there you know you have some very good teams and very good players but they, they practice in very small spaces and they have a bit a bit of a, of a problem understanding the big side that the, the big ta- the, uh, the, the big principles of play or the collective tactics mm-hmm. of the game uh, and this is kind of like a lot of times where I where I find players are lacking this but I think it's such a big part of the college game because in the college game each team trains on 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 a full field you're doing a lot of a lot of tactical work uh, 11 v 11 or sometimes a little less but you know the it's kind of like the and also because your schedule is very is very hectic at the college level where teams play two sometimes even three games a week you cannot do a lot of small sided stuff in training because the 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 the, the, the you're going to overload the players and then the risk of injury becomes very hard. So a lot of these U18, U19 players go, go from playing a lot of 4v4, 5v5, 6v6 in training to to going 11v11 almost all the time. So for me, it's very important mm-hmm. to find players who understand the game well, who can understand the big picture of the field, who, can, uh, who are yeah. in a way can be somewhat experts in their positions so that I know that when this player comes in, can have an impact right away as a freshman because if I put him on the field, he's not going to struggle to understand what's going on in the game and to, to get used to, the, uh, to, to the, the tactical level of, of the college game. Uh, I think this is this is something that I I really like, and then within this within this tactical aspect, I want the players to be able to execute the technical piece uh, with quality uh, as it pertains to their position on the field. So obviously, there's different technical skills that I look more for center backs uh, than what I look for maybe a winger or maybe a center mid. So within this tactical understanding of the game that the players have, I want them to also have a good quality of execution as uh, as far as the technical execution. Okay. So do you, on um, your college job, like a head coach, do you scout players from high school or is it just the players who... Uh, will join with John Jay College. Yeah, so I, I, uh, 
I don't look at a lot of high school games for two reasons. Number one is uh, because a lot of times the, the high school games happen in the fall when we are also in season and it becomes very hard to focus on our season at hand, but at the same time also scout players through uh, in the high school game. Uh, and also we are we are a, kind of like a small Division three program, so we don't have the resources to have a lot of assistant coaches and be able to send out throughout the fall and stuff. So we don't look at a lot of high school games. And then the other reason is also because the high school game, uh, as, as in comparison to the club game, it's uh, the quality is a lot lower. So you have sometimes when you go and you watch a player on, the, on a high school game, um, you might get a little bit of a false, uh, how to say, uh, evaluation on a player because they, they might look a lot better from what they are because, unfortunately, the high school okay. game is not very good, especially in New York. Uh, there's, there's different areas where I think the high school game is stronger. I think New Jersey has a lot stronger high school soccer than what New York has. But... Uh, and, and there's also obviously some programs even in New York that are quite strong. So if I have the chance, for example, like you have MLK in New York, which is a really strong program. So it's a completely different story. But there's a lot of other programs that are quite weaker. So I, I prefer to go watch players play for their club teams because I think the club environment is... Uh, uh, you know, in a, in a club team, especially at the U18, U19 level, uh, you can all, all, all the players there are there to play soccer. So the level is quite higher uh, and it's easier to see mm-hmm. a player. You know, it gives you a better evaluation on a player, the, the club level, the club games. So I prefer scouting okay. players to scout players. from. I, I always scout, so I never rely on just whoever comes to John Jay. I always want to recruit players, so I always uh, uh, I'm on the fields when that when our season is over. I'm always on the fields looking for players, uh, players who are interested in the school. I go and watch them, or a lot of times I I watch videos if they're kind of like a little bit away from from um, New York. So uh, yeah, I try to do as much recruiting as possible, and then if we do have a player that is already in John Jay and wants to come to try out we also have open tryouts and occasionally we do find one or two players who are really good that we didn't recruit but they were already in school uh but usually i try as much as i can to have all the players coming in the incoming freshmen i try to have them recruited okay so by by saying all of that my question is how hard is you scout mm-hmm. a player and now you, you're going to give him an offer or what are the things that you're going to offer him because he might be not interested on uh, joining John Jay College because John Jay College has just the criminal justice, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, how, 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 does, how does that yeah, work? So, uh, I mean, we do have other majors at John Jay, but criminal justice is kind of like our, our bread and butter. But we do have other majors as well. Okay. Uh, I I okay. prefer 
to uh, one of the main things besides looking for players on how good they are. Obviously, one of the first questions I ask, or or one of the first thing that I see when I get a uh, one of those brochures in tournaments that it talks about, you know, it lets you know about the names and number and and email of the players. I always try to see if there's an area where it uh, says about their intended majors or or their area that they're because uh, it's 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 okay. very important for for every coach i think this is the case but i can only really speak for myself but for me personally it's very important that when i recruit a player i i cons- i don't only consider the athletic and then i say okay we'll try to figure out the academic part no i have to look at both at the same time because if if i see a good player okay. but john jay is he's not really interested in criminal justice or he's not really interesting in a interested in a major that john jay offers then there's no real point for me to pursue that player because number one i don't want to try to i i never and you know there's probably coaches who do this but i never do this where i go to a player and i say well look we don't have criminal justice but we have economics you know because i don't i don't want to mess up with a player's future if a if a player wants to do something specific i want to make sure that we can offer that for them mm-hmm. and if we cannot offer that then i i, I feel better and i sleep better at night when i tell them uh you know what i i don't think john jay is the right fit for you academically i i think you should look for something else there's no harm in saying that because at the end of the day when a player comes into our program i want to make sure that they're happy not only athletically but also academically uh because at the end of the day they're going to play soccer for three months but they're going to study year round so it has to and also yeah. when when their eligibility is over and all that that degree that they get that's kind of like the area that they're going to focus on for the rest of their lives so you don't want to mess up potentially yeah. their future by trying to play these games where you try to see if you can fit in a different major that that suits them um uh, in, instead of just being honest with them so for me just to summarize it okay. i it's very important the, the number one thing i i try to find out about a player is what are they interested in studying and if i see that he's interest uh, yeah. that that player is interested in in a major that we offer perfect i can continue the conversation if not then it's better for me to be honest and say we don't really offer that so if you, this is what you really want to study i think you should look into into somewhere else okay so you mentioned and you said that uh, you don't do scouting because uh, the high school and the college has same uh, month or so, like kind of same season I, i don't i don't do scouting you guys both play because of that but Does... i do i do rec- i do recruit i recruit throughout okay. the year but not during that time and and not in high school not not during that time because you don't you don't have you don't have the the time to do that so now my question is do do the college have any app, like app that uh, you can look over for uh, players like some like games uh, high school games or videos or like just just to clarify for everyone yeah i think there's different 
is there an app or is is there an app or is that they are interested already to join John Jay College and they have to reach uh, by email the director of athletic or whoever is in charge of that. They have to send the videos and all of that. So then you have to look and or how 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 yeah, that so, works. Uh, you usually uh, so I. Uh, I I think you're asking about how I find the players interested or how they find me. Is that what you're asking? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something like that. And also, just to clarify, if if is an app that uh, college use or yeah. college yeah. look. Okay. So uh, so this is kind of like for me uh, how how it works for me. Uh, I do get a lot of emails. Because my email, obviously, we have our, our men's soccer page on the John Jay Athletics website. Uh, my email is there. So okay. if there's a student who's interested in John Jay and they're also interested to play soccer, it's very easy. They see my email over there. They send me an email. They usually, the, the most proper email is usually when they introduce themselves. They introduce about why they're interested in John Jay. And then, uh, and also then they post about their athletic achievements, where they've played, and usually they post a highlight video. And then that is usually the best way for me. Then I can follow up and I can, uh, uh, we have a conversation. Uh, if, if I see that is the right academic fit and also athletically, uh, I mean, I, I, I watch them a little more. I don't watch just highlight videos, but usually the highlight video is just to give me a little bit of an idea. But then uh, if I get the sense that the player might be a good fit for us, also athletically, I will follow up, uh, maybe have a phone call, and then I try to either go watch them on a tournament or on a game, or they send me a full game video where I can analyze the full game and see uh, everything. So usually that is one way it works, but then another okay. way is when I go to tournaments and stuff, They a lot of times each team has a brochure that they, they give uh, with all the players' informations and a lot of things. So sometimes then I'm just watching different games. Uh, and then if I, if my eye catches a player that might be a good fit, uh, I will, I will uh, reach out to the player myself. Uh, sometimes it also through connections. I know different club directors, different coaches of different teams, so that uh, a lot of times they make the connection with me if they know that their player wants to uh, study at John Jay, they reach out to me, they make the connection. So this is usually how we find each other. And then there is also, uh, I'm sure there's probably different apps out there and stuff, but uh, John Jay uses Front Rush, which is uh, a website and, and uh, a very good website for us to, uh, for many different things. It's kind of like to organize our recruiting needs. Uh, we, we have things organized a little bit better. Uh, versus just having things on like Excel sheets and, and pieces of paper. We, we have all our recruiting uh, classes in our database on FrontRush, but it's also a really good uh, uh, website uh, and it's also an app because there's also um, uh, like a, there's a thing on the website where you can try to discover players through there. So you go, I think they have a partnership with uh, with some recruiting um, company. Yeah, so, company? so when you go there, okay. you can put in kind of like the things that your requirements, what you're looking for. 
and then you will narrow it down. You know, you can filter things with desired GPA, uh, SAT scores, positions, uh, things like this. And then you will narrow down your search also by location. So if you want to recruit, I, I because we are uh, we are a CUNY school. So for me, it's always easier to, usually we have more success with students who are already from the New York area. Um, so if I want to narrow it down to New York, then you will narrow it down by, by the location as well. So it's, it's quite a helpful website and tool for us to use in order to uh, recruit better. So now this so now this website is for college to use or also players can give more information about themselves. So then the college uh, kind of they have the database of the player. So I, I, I think through the partnership that they have with a recruiting uh, company, I think that's where they get the profiles of the players. Mm -hmm. But the website itself, Front Rush, I think it's more for colleges to use rather than players. But I think they make the okay. connection with the So, for example... Okay, so for example, a player want to go and check the Front Rush and they probably uh, might need to sign up or something. So then you kind of have... Uh, have the profile to that uh, scouting no, agency so or usually whatever is that program each school uh, has their own kind of like questionnaire so if a player is interested okay. uh, a prospective uh, student athlete is, is interested you can send them the link to the questionnaire and when they fill mm -hmm. that out they're already in your database yeah. okay so for all players who are listening this Go check out the website and maybe that will help for your future college team or future college academy. Now, one, 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 so, one second. Sorry, Reedy, another question. Okay, Chris. Let's... I just want to ask you, uh, yep. the mentality of a college soccer player, how how mm -hmm. important is that? So for the for the player that just want to kind of like, like, a, like a day session, how competitive is it group um, when they're training? Uh, it, it is competitive. Uh, we, we try to keep it very competitive because I, I believe that you need to... I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, practicing the way you play. And if we want to be competitive in the games, then we need to try to develop that winning mentality from our training sessions. So a lot of times we try to keep score in trainings when we're playing training games. Uh, we, we try to always add different things that uh, will will create a little bit of a competitive environment. Uh, right. We might have a little punishment for the team that loses the scrimmage. Uh, not, nothing crazy, but just something to make you feel a little bad that you lost in every right, activity right. you're doing. When you lose, make you feel a little bad. We try to put things like this on the players. Depend, it depends also on the day a lot, because uh, obviously there's certain days uh, where because of our schedule being so hectic, if we have a recovery day, then we might not do that. But uh, depending on the day too. But whenever we feel like it's a good day where we can 
increase a little bit the stress levels of the training session, then we add certain things like this to just to keep that that winning mentality going. And and I'm also a big believer that uh, sometimes on the field you might not be the the better team in terms of dominating possession and this and that. Right. But you still need to know how to win. Sometimes if you just really know how to how to win games, how to find a way to win even when you're not the better team, I think that is so important. So this is, I feel like, a, a way for us to try to even develop that. So sometimes we will even try to create certain situations or certain certain scenarios where we would say, we, we call them uh, uh, special scenarios or situations where, for example, we would say, okay, uh, we're going to have a scrimmage for, we're going to play two six-minute halves maybe, and then this team is winning 2-0, but you're playing a man down, so you guys have to hold on to the win. Find yeah. solutions within this situation to hold on to the win. You guys are down to zero. How? What can you do to try to to get back in the game? Or you're losing one zero, whatever it is. So, uh, we you know we try to train the winning mentality, handling the competition of the game, the stress levels of the game, being able to make good decisions even when the game might not be going your way or when things change in the game, uh, we try to train this in, in, in practices. So obviously, going back to your first part of your question, the player's mentality is, is very important. But at the same time, uh, when it comes to recruiting, it's very hard sometimes to really judge a player's mentality when you're recruiting them. Sometimes you can have certain ideas. Obviously, there are red flag sometimes with a player that when you see when you during the recruiting process if you see them you know you might be a little worried but usually it's very hard to 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 see exactly the personality of a player unless you're working with them every day and you know I, I'm also a big believer and also sometimes you ask different people and they might say one thing about a player but then who knows what has happened in that scenario. So that player sometimes comes in and is great, you know, because players sometimes click differently with different coaches. So it is very important to have the right, but it's not easy to be able to recruit always players with the right mentality because it's so hard from a few conversations to, to, to understand that unless you're working with them every day. No, definitely. Uh, Just another question. Do you have players that, you know, for example, I, I know a lot of my my guys going into college or even them entering high school, like figuring this out. Um, one day they're playing, playing the full 90 minutes, and the next day they're not. Um, does that happen if you're in, like maybe with the college or even with the Cosmos? Um, and if so, how do you let the player know Maybe it was a tactical adjustment or something like that. Because there's so many different go into just playing game and not playing another. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll answer this from my perspective as a, as a John Jay coach, just because that's where I'm the head coach and I make the decisions myself regarding right. playing time. Um I mean, yeah, there's, uh, it, it depends. I mean, there's definitely situations where a player might, so if, if a player 
uh, I, I think it also depends on the on the type of player you're talking we're talking about because sometimes you have a player that you just know that they're gonna be how to say role players you know they're gonna right. be players that some get they might be coming into a game to play a specific role and then right. when that role is not required they might not play so a lot of times that is already understood but it, it could also be explained in individual meetings uh with the players about when you need them why you need them and and what role you're looking for them uh sometimes there's players who are starting all the time and if somehow you're leaving them on the bench for a game then i think in that instance you need to explain why because that can cause confusion and and um you don't want the player to be sitting on the bench so so for example you might be playing a game against an opponent that might be a lot weaker than you right. and this is you you think that this could be a, the right game to to rest that player but obviously you have to communicate that with them because right. if not then you never know what the player might be thinking you know the player might say well what am i doing wrong why, why am i sick i think communication is key i'm always uh you know for, for me my mentality is whenever you can communicate something just to make sure that, i mean the player might know exactly why he's sitting on the bench but it's always okay to to go and have that two minute chat just to make sure that they know uh so i think communication is key when it comes to playing time and uh and it's good to to have especially in, in situations where there might be confusion there might be room for misinterpretation I think it's very important for the player to know exactly why they're singing out. And even if it's a kind of like a punishment, even if you're sitting that player out because either they're not performing well or I don't know, maybe some disciplinary thing, I think you still need to explain right. that. Because if not, then how are they going to understand that this is why this is happening so now they can improve on that aspect you know so i think communication is key regardless of the situation right now so for as a high school player how can high school like seniors i would say high school juniors and seniors how would they prepare to showcase themselves to colleges so i know you talked about them making a highlight film um mm-hmm. can you go into more detail like how long would you want to make the the video because I know you you as a college coach you obviously don't want to spend 15 to 20 minutes watching somebody's film uh just right off the bat I'm assuming yeah yeah no I I agree I I think the highlight video like like I said me personally the high and I think this is the case for most coaches the highlight video is just a little uh kind of like introduction to who you are as a player that right. sometimes will just will just give us that little idea that okay is this player worth pursuing uh that is he, is he anywhere close to the level we're looking for or is this some or is this a player that unfortunately could be way below the level that you know so it kind of like makes that initial kind of like filtering out but also in the body of the email where the player is talking about the information we could also see the major if they're interested why they're interested in the school so we can learn a couple of key things from that initial email that uh makes us understand if we got a if if we need to 
take a closer look at this player or no. So as far as the highlight video goes, I agree. I think it should be, I will probably say three to four minutes, just specific to your position. You know, every position is a little bit different. If you're a forward, you might want to show a little bit more on on uh, uh, situations around the box, situations maybe showing your speed, your finishing skills, maybe how you're, you can deal uh, how good you are with, with uh, finishing from crosses, uh, maybe some attacking set pieces. Uh, and then you could also put some defensive work in maybe if you're a type of forward who puts a lot of pressure, who puts a lot of aggressive pressure on the ball, or maybe who who's very tactically intelligent that understands how to cut off passing lanes and, and force players playing one way or a team playing one way. Right. But obviously, that's also a little bit too specific for the team you're playing. So that might not exactly be the case in your future college team. But at least it can give us a little bit of, of an idea that you also know what you're doing defensively as a forward. If you're a defender, it could be uh, the majority of the time maybe spent on, on the ways you're defending, how you control the line, maybe your communication, dealing with crosses, dealing with, with balls through balls being played in behind. But then you can also put some, uh, some clips of you playing out of the back and maybe showing how comfortable you are on the ball. Uh, I think one uh, as, as it relates to the centre-back role, it's actually an interesting situation because a lot of times I, I get clips of players who are centre-back and it's kind of like 90% of the clip is just them on the ball uh, right. playing out of the back. And it, it's great uh, if you can show that you have good playing skills, but I also need to see how you defend. <laughs> I also need right. to see if you can defend because obviously you're primarily a defender. So um, I think it's important for, for players to understand how to balance those clips out, especially if you need to make a, a short three, four minute clip. You just cannot put everything in there. So you need to know how to balance things out so you can give a little bit of introduction of all kind of like your aspects as a player. And then uh, coaches will obviously now come and watch you live, come and watch you on the field, or maybe get a full fo game footage so they can watch you play throughout the whole game. Because I think that's the best way to, to tell a player how good he is when you watch them throughout the whole game. Because obviously of everyone... Course. If you're really good at creating those highlight videos, you can make yourself look a lot better than what you actually are. So I don't yeah. think any serious coaches can recruit just from the highlight video. Definitely. I, no, I agree with that. Now, just what, what are your thoughts about this? Because I, I know I've, I've heard of college coaches. They, they talked about parents sending them emails uh, in reference for the son or daughter uh, what are your thoughts on the parents sending the email versus the player themselves actually sending uh, the email? And I know it's a bit controversial because the parents obviously want it to be formatted correctly, worded correctly, so it looks very good uh, to the coach because um, obviously some high school players, they make those errors and stuff like that. I mm -hmm. um, just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely... Uh... Uh, I, I think it depends a little bit on, on, on how old the player is we're talking about. If the player is a right. junior and a senior, it, it should definitely come from the player himself. Uh, it, it shouldn't come from the from the parents. 
and uh, yeah, I, I don't. This has happened to me very few times, but usually when this has happened to me, the player was either a freshman or a sophomore, and uh, there is an NCAA rule that that uh, really limits the contacts you can have with players directly who are still right. on their sophomore year. So sometimes it's understandable because uh, they send the email instead of the player just because they know that there is there there are some limitations on on a coach having a direct communication with the player himself uh, right. during sophomore and freshman year. But if the player is a junior, everything after during and after your junior year, it should come from the player, not not from the parent. No, the, I, I agree. The parent that. can help you in in different ways because obviously that's the role of the parent is to support the, their kid. So there's nothing wrong right. with a player with a parent supporting their kid, but that has to be in their own environment, you know. But when that email comes and that communication comes to the to the coach, it, it should come directly from the player. No, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's super important for the players to want to showcase themselves and maybe get some guidance from, you know, whoever their uh, parents are. Um, mm-hmm. That helps out a lot. Uh, just this, just my last question. Um, just because you're in both environments, what, what are the differences that you see in the college level and then in the professional level that you're working in? Like, is it the player's speed of play or <clears throat> is it maybe tactical stuff that players have and, the professional level that the college level maybe they don't have yet yeah uh, so i think the main uh, so this is the thing like the college where i coach is a division three college and then right. the the professional level i coach is is third division in u.s soccer so it's the nisa league i would say in terms of the level the the nisa competition is probably somewhere similar to division one level in college it will be okay. around that level. So my the biggest difference I notice is uh, is usually in the speed of play, like you mentioned, which comes, I think, a lot of times it comes from uh, the player's uh, uh, ability with their first touch. Uh, right. You have players who have really good first touch at, at this level, uh, at, the, at, the, at the professional level, uh, and also at the higher, because I also coach a semi-professional team. I've coached a semi-professional team competing in the NPSL, and I had a lot of Division One and Division Two players. So the level is not far off from from where Cosmos is, maybe just a little bit lower. So the main differences I see in the levels is usually that technical ability, especially with the first touch players being able to control the ball really well uh, right away on their first touch, which makes the game faster. Uh, You still see... uh, I I thought, personally, I thought kind of like the tactical level of the players would be a lot higher at the pro level comparing to, you know, the, the lower levels in college. Uh, but I think that that is uh, one thing I've realized is that that could be very uh, uh, player-centered. So you have some players at the pro level that they're really good tactically, but they were probably right. still very good tactically when they were in college too. Uh, and then you can have some players who are just 
re- exceptional talents on the ball and all this, but it's still hard for them to to uh, to to execute different decisions on the field or sometimes to to uh, play their position or or adjust to something tactically. So I think the tactical level, it's uh, it's it's probably. It it depends on the on the players, and you could you could find different levels of tactical understanding within the the different uh, levels of of the game. You can find D three players who tactically are probably better than some pro players, but they lack on the technical side and maybe on the physical right. side. Um, okay. So like I said, so 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 basically, just to to summarize it, I think the first touch and technical qualities of the player get a lot higher. Uh, going from D three soccer to to D one and maybe the 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 pro level, but uh, the the maybe the phys- the physical qualities of the players too is probably a little higher. The speed of the players players tend to be faster uh, physically as well. Uh, tactically, it could be hit or miss, and I think that is okay. heavily related with uh, with the. Uh, I think that's heavily heavily related to where the player was brought up because uh, coaching youth soccer in this country for a long time, but I also did spend a few months in Germany a few years ago and I was involved with the Bundesliga with FC Köln as, a, as, a, as an intern coach. The one thing that really struck me was the tactical understanding of the players over there. It's so much higher than the yeah. players here. There's yeah. not big differences physically and technically, but tactically, there's a big difference. And over here, what I notice is that a lot of times when I have foreign players, when I'm coaching foreign players, and especially with New York Cosmos, we have different players coming from different places. Uh, the ones who are coming from other countries uh, usually are uh, tactically, understand the game a lot better. The ones that have grown up through the U.S. system that is usually where they have the biggest uh, deficiencies. And yeah. I, I think it's, it's heavily related with, with how we train in the youth game in this country, which we, we tend to focus too much on the really obvious stuff, which is the technique and the physicality. But we lose out on, on what connects both of them, which in my opinion is the tactical part, is what connects the dots in a soccer of course. player. And I think, I think we miss that part in, in youth level. What what age um, were you working with, or uh, as a as an interim coach over there? So the the team that I was working mostly was uh, a U thirteen team uh, uh, from FC Köln Academy. But I also had uh, uh, because I was only there for a few months, and they knew exactly what my what why I was there. I was uh, I was studying at the time. Uh, I was doing an abroad semester in the German Sports University. So I, I wanted to get as much information as possible. So they gave me access to older teams. So usually I will go in very early, watch the U8s, the U9s, U10s, U11s. And then I'll be on my session with the U13s. And then I'll stay a little bit later to watch the older teams. Or sometimes the U23s and the first team will train in the morning. So I'll go watch them. So I try to watch a lot of as many ages as I could because I wanted to see... I didn't want to focus just on one team, but I wanted to right. see across many different teams. 
And um, but I, I could tell you, I, I I was watching U eight and U nines play, and I was amazed of their tactical understanding of the game. Um, it was that I think that's what made what what separates. Those, what, those do you, what do you think it is? What do, what do you think it is that we need to do over here uh, for our guys at you know that same age? Because I mean, like you said, you said that you know as far as physicality and techniques, the players have it, but technically they're not there. So I what what are some things that train. they work on? I think it's the way we train, Chris. So this is this is one thing I noticed here. Uh, again, I've been coaching for ten years and. In, in the youth system here in the U.S. And recently it has changed. It is changing slowly because also going through my licenses, I noticed while I was taking my B license uh, two years ago and then very recently finished my A license that also what they're preaching now in these licenses is a lot more tactical and a lot more tactical focus. So I think right. it is changing slowly, but... It's going to take years, you know, because it's, it's right. quite recent. This new methodology is, is, is a little more recent. But um, I think the, the main reason is just the way that, that the youth soccer players in this country have been training for maybe the last couple of decades where it's, it's way too, too much focus on, on isolated fit, fit, uh, fitness, isolated technique, and then maybe some isolated tactical thing uh, the day before the game. If we want to just quickly prepare something for, for the game tomorrow, maybe do, we do a little bit of a quick isolated tactical movement activity, and then that's it. Right. But, you know, if, if, um, if you want all those things, I, I always say this, if, if you want the technical, the tactical, the physical, the psychological, if all these things are going to happen at the same time in the game, then you need to train them together. You cannot train them separately. Right. So, you know, when you, when you go into the soccer game, you don't say, okay, the first 20 minutes we're going to compete who's the most technical team, the next 20 minutes who's the most physical, the next 20 who's the most, you know, no, it works like that, right? Right. <laughs> from, the game is complex. So there's a lot of layers of complexity in the game that you just cannot dissect. So from the first whistle to the last whistle, all these things, all this complexity interconnects together and players, it's, it's a chaotic game. And that tactical understanding, the tactical um, strategy or the game model that the team has is what gives a little bit of order to this chaos. And within that order, players try to make their tactical solutions. And then that part of those tactical solutions now is also the, their technical and physical execution is always in relation to those tactical solutions that the players are finding. So all these things interconnect. And I think one of the biggest reasons why here in this country you see players who really lack the decision-making part and really lack the tactical yeah. understanding is because they grew up separating all those things in practices in most cases okay i don't want to generalize for everyone right. but in most cases they grew up separating all of them but then i think in europe in the last 20 years and in certain countries maybe even more than that they they've been they, they've understood that you cannot really separate things you you need to you need to train them right. together so 
and and therefore you have the outcome where players are coming from. Uh, I'm talking especially Europe, but there's also other countries as well where players are coming in, and uh, and they just have a much higher tactical understanding than the players here in the U.S. You know, and uh, it, it it makes a big difference. I think it's all on the way, on on the way that players have been training during their youth, uh, their youth days. Do you think you do you think that's one of the reasons maybe why we see a lot of players being brought um, from overseas into our college system? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think I think it's definitely one of the reasons because uh, uh, they the uh, getting so so for in Europe a lot for a lot of those players it's very hard to make it as a pro. So you can go right. you can go to some of the top academies. Uh, in, in Europe, and you know, maybe you know those those U19 teams that they have, the U17s, the U19s, sometimes the U23s. They only cater to about three, four players, to the ones that are gonna right. make it pro. The rest are kind of like, you know, I hate to say it, but they're kind of like numbers over there. You know, like they're not because not, right. not everyone is gonna make it pro out of a U19 team. It doesn't matter if you're playing for Barcelona's U19. Or, you know, of whatever, course. Man United's U19 or whatever U19 team of a big club you're playing in Europe, only two or three, if they're lucky, they're going to make it to the pro team. Right. And then even those two or three, they might make a couple of appearances, but then if they cannot quickly get to the level of performing at the highest level possible, then they're probably going to be sold to, right. a, to a lower level club. So, so now what happens with those other 15 to 18 players who are not making it pro for for some of them and they're and they're all very good players because their margins are very small of why they're not making it so they're all very good players so right. for some of them they're like okay why not go to the u.s get a full college degree for free uh because i can i'm good enough to get a full athletic scholarship get a full college degree for degree for free have fun expand my horizons in in an Obviously, the U.S. university system is, is quite, uh, you know, for a lot of these, uh, you know, smaller countries, whether it's uh, Europe, whether right. it's, it's uh, South America, whether it's Asia, Africa, whatever it is, you know, like having a college degree from the U.S., even if you go back to your country, it's huge. It's, it's huge, you know, you can yeah. be set for life, you can get a good job. So, and they're like, yeah, a college degree in the U.S., I'll go there for free. I'll play soccer at a good competitive level. And then I can always try to make it pro again at the end of it. If not, I have my degree. I'm, I'm ready to start my life. So, so, but then on the, on, from the point of view of the college coaches here in the U.S., you don't have time to develop. You know, the season is three months. Uh, then right. it's a lot of restrictions that you don't have, especially at the D3 level, but even at the D2 and D1 level, you have a lot of restrictions, so you cannot have enough contact times with your with your players. Uh, you, you don't have right. a whole lot of time to develop your players. So a lot of times you need players who are ready. You can develop them to fit your system and your style of play, right. but you cannot develop them in the way that you're going to turn them around or, or make a player who, who, at, at, who comes in at U18 and has... Uh, as an 18-year-old comes in and has great technical skills, great physical qualities, but 
absolutely no decision making. You cannot make that player in a couple of months to to be the smartest player on the field or or raise his IQ significantly to win you a a, a championship. So you go to the players that are ready. You go you go to Europe. You know it's it's a win win for both sides. I agree. Uh, I listen. I don't, you can you couldn't have said it any better. You know that just clarified everything so for the for the players um at least here pretty much what coach really is saying you got to get your tactical side of football better it has to be much better i mean i think like you said me personally from what i've experienced over my last couple of years coaching tactically a lot of players they don't know where they should be especially much older mm-hmm. players i've even seen 17 year old 18 year olds they're just like clueless as far as like where they should be positioned. And it's unfortunate, but you know, like you said, a, a coach is not going to work, especially a college coach. is not going to work with one specific player um, over a three month span. It, it's just too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spend time Definitely. with other things. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, um, just, just to just add something when we were, we're talking about the way we train at the youth level, um, I think also another thing is that I feel like at, at the youth level, maybe coaches, maybe directors of coaching and stuff like that, they they have this uh, expectation that training has to be very drill-oriented a lot of times. You know, like they expect right. the training, right. oh, you're supposed to do a lot of drills. If you're scrimmaging for too much or if you're having games that are, are – or if you're playing or, or if you're doing activities – that are very game oriented, uh, that look a lot like the right. game. A lot, I feel like a lot of times people think that, oh, oh you, you're just playing the whole time, but but I right. think that is right. the best way to train. And obviously, that doesn't mean that just make two teams put a ball in and then let them play for an hour and a half. No, but right, you right. you manipulate certain aspects of that game whether it's size of the field, whether it's number of the players, whether it's objectives. Sometimes right. you take the goal, maybe you put an end zone because you're working on that final through pass and the player meeting the ball. Um, you, you, you're, you're changing certain elements of, of the game, but you're playing within the, you know, in, in the reality of, of the game. And I think that's the best way to train. Of course. And I think this is also a great thing that the 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 new methodology in this coaching license is 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 teaching coaches now is that games they have to be uh, the, the 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 practices they have to be game related. Uh, they, they have to right. have the the repetition of of the situations you're trying to work on. Uh, but I think that game-related aspect is so important because when you have uh, you, uh, the players and then you have an opponent and a ball, now you're, you're forcing decisions in your training sessions. And those, this is how you can train right. decision-making, by, by putting players into real game situations and training those game situations. And now you have smarter players. You have players who can solve game situations who can find solutions in the games and who can um, um, who can make good decisions you know so so I think I think this is it, it's slowly changing but it, it's gonna it's gonna take some time 
for us to to really see the difference. Of course, <clears throat> I think we're headed in the right direction. You know, like you said, slowly but surely. Maybe by the time my kids have kids, <laughs> we'll be setting <laughs> stones. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, know, but, it's um... gonna be too late. <laughs> No, but Fatlo, I, I don't. I I know I left you out for a little bit. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to ask him? So, I yeah, I have. I on. have mm, like two or three questions for Edi left, uh, which I think are important for some of uh, high school players. So Edi, um, I'm I'm I don't have a lot of information even for high school or even for college mm -hmm. here in US because, like you both know, I'm new here and I'm still learning things. But I have, I do have a question. I heard that some colleges have uh, scholarships, mm -hmm. and some don't. So, can you explain how scholarships work? Yes. For 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 high school uh, players, they don't know. So, one word from the coach coming. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a uh, it's a good question because although although I think a lot of uh, incoming. Uh, prospective student athletes they, they know I think there's also a lot of them that might still be confused so it's good to kind of like clarify so you have three different divisions within the NCAA college game here in the US you have division one two and three division three schools like John Jay is a division three school you don't offer athletic scholarships uh, division three schools don't have athletic scholarships so if you do get a scholarship it's either academic or it's a need-based scholarship like financial aid, but it's not it's not an athletic scholarship. Uh, but Division Two and Division One schools okay. they do offer athletic scholarships. So uh, yeah, like in in those schools, if you're a very good player, uh, you could potentially get sometimes a full ride. Sometimes you you might get half a scholarship, uh, like half of the tuition basically paid through a scholarship. You know, it depends, but there is athletic scholarship. And then there's also uh, NAIA schools that uh, they also do have scholarships, athletic scholarships. Oh, okay. Now, Fratlam, not to, not to cut you off, I just want to ask, a, just to add to that. Is it is it true that a school has a certain amount of scholarship that they can give for the team? Yes, yes. It, it's, it's not unlimited. Uh, uh, now, because I don't coach... At the Division One, uh, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on on exactly the amount. Right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think you it's nine. You have nine full scholarships. Uh, that's like NCAA rule. But certain schools, depending on the school budget, right. they might have a, a a smaller budget, so they might have less than that. But if I'm not mistaken, again, I'm not 100% okay. on this. I, I think it's nine. And then some coaches, they, can, they sometimes choose to just bring nine you know, re real bowlers and, and, and uh, give right. them free ride. Or sometimes they might split them and have more players on a scholarship. But there could be less. Few of them might have a full one. Some of them might have half. Some of them might have a quarter. It depends, you know, on the on the offer but right, uh, right, right. i think nine okay. is is the usually the ncaa limit okay no i just i just wanted to know because some players they're really good and they're like i'm getting a free ride and i'm like you don't even yeah, know that yet. Yeah, you know just 
relax. You know, you calm down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think I think. Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, Fatlam, go ahead. Because I think that's that's a very important point you made. Uh, I I I agree. I feel like some players uh, think these scholarships they come very easy, and that's not really the case. So I I always recommend players, even if they're very good, and even if they think that they can uh, play at a very good levels, which could be the case. I always think it's a good idea for the players to always have a backup option. Uh, so, for example, if right. if you're in New York, uh, I'm 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 talking about New York since I'm a little bit more familiar with with the New York uh, landscape here of soccer. So, if you're a kid in New York, of course, uh, coming from maybe a family that cannot afford to pay a lot for for the tuition. Uh, and, and but you're, it's okay to to contact the the top D ones and top D twos or or a lot of D ones and D two schools that that fit you academically, but that you can also have a chance to get an athletic scholarship and go play there. That's perfectly fine, but always have a backup option, where if that doesn't happen, so for example. Uh, I'm going to mention kind of like the CUNY system, which John Jay is a part of. Uh, I think it's great for local New York kids who don't have a lot of money to, to, to pay sometimes really high tuition fees. I think it's a great option because you, you, can, you can come to a CUNY school, still play at a competitive level, and, and if you qualify for financial aid, the, the schools are very affordable so that sometimes you can qualify for financial aid and not pay anything in tuition. The financial aid can cover your whole tuition. So you might not have gotten an athletic scholarship somewhere else. It's almost like you have gotten one because your financial aid might have paid either for your full tuition or for half of the tuition or whatever it is. And you can still play soccer and you can still get a a really good high-level education. So I think it's always important for players to have a backup option in case the the dream doesn't happen because the dream doesn't happen for everyone. So it's good to, to make sure that you're not kind of like left with no options when March or April or May comes around. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. So since we are to scholarship already, I have a quick question here. If uh, a player get injured, or if a player get uh, get down from their level, does that affect to a scholarship player? Yeah, like uh, he gets gets cut, or what's what's the yeah, deal there? Yeah, I mean that, that's a good question. And to be honest, I, I'm I I don't think I also have a a. a kind of like a, a very accurate answer for this because again I don't I don't work with athletic scholarships and I, I never worked in a D1 or D2 program. So I don't know exactly okay. the specifics of how uh, coaches with uh, that that of that have athletic scholarships in their budget how they operate and their limitations. Okay. I do think I do think okay. that you are able to change uh, I'm not sure exactly what happens with injuries because I think there might be some rules that protect the athletes that if you're getting, if, if you got an injury, um, you know, it, it should not be the case for 
your athletic scholarship to be affected if, because obviously that that's not okay. your fault but i i think that mm-hmm. the scholarships can be performance based so maybe at the end of the academic year at, at the end of the okay. of of the season and the maybe the academic year i think a coach could lower or maybe even add your scholarship amount depending on your performance i i think that's that's the case but yeah. again i'm not 100% sure just because i think maybe a coach who works in d1 or d2 programs might have a better uh uh interpretation of and and a better answer but i think you could change the scholarship amount based on performance but i'm not sure exactly how that applies no. uh, uh from the injury perspective Okay, since uh, we are like uh, getting close to an end of the podcast, I have the last question. And if my we have time, I'm going to mm-hmm. add another question. But for now, I have a question that can you describe in a few words, step by step, how high school? Hello? Sorry, we got disconnected, but we're still back. Uh- So my question was, can you describe in few words, step by step, how high school players can plan for their future college athletics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, very good question. Um, so I, I think um, a, a player in high school that knows that will want to go to college and, and compete in college athletics uh, one of the first things that they need to do probably around their sophomore year is they need to start the first step should probably be to compile a list of schools that they think it might fit their uh, their academic and athletic ambitions uh, and and again going back to my previous answer i think when you're compiling that list it shouldn't just be you know Georgetown, Virginia, uh, all the top soccer programs, but also make sure that you're having something to fall back on if in case the dream doesn't happen. So make a list that fits you academically, athletically, but always with a couple of options that uh, that uh, uh, will make sure that you're you're going to college. Uh, when you graduate and then once you have that list the next thing is create a highlight tape out of every season you play uh sometimes i do get a highlight video of a player from like their sophomore or their junior year and the player is in their senior year now and it's not as relevant anymore because i don't see exactly every coach wants to see usually the most updated video of a player so start creating highlight videos of yourself from every season uh whether it's high school whether it's uh, club ball uh, and start sending emails um uh, you can I, i believe you can send an email and introduce yourself and send a highlight video on your sophomore year but i think the coach cannot really respond to you directly until uh uh your the beginning of your junior year but you can still start introducing yourself to coaches but 
If not, you can always just start sending things at the beginning of your junior year. I think it's still enough time. Um, you start sending your your introductory emails with your highlight videos to all the schools you're interested. You send them your schedule uh, so the coaches know the tournaments you're going to be competing in, your league game, so they can come and watch you. And, and that's how you create a direct line of communication with the coaches. And you see who's interested in you and who's not. So that list initially, when you make that list in your sophomore year, should be quite big. And then that list starts getting narrower and narrower as you're getting close to your senior year. And that helps you now. It, you know, that list starts getting filtered because maybe some schools you change your mind. Maybe you've added a couple more. Maybe you see that some schools you wanted, the coach might not be interested in you. So as that list gets narrower, uh, you start you start kind of like creating an idea of maybe the last couple of schools that that uh, you're interested in. And uh, you start planning some visits to those schools. So uh, you can plan uh, an official visit to each school and uh, – or and sometimes he, he, um, and also unofficial visits to create a better idea of the school, the campus, meet with the coach personally, uh, and then that's where you make a decision. But I think if you follow this process, I think by the end of it, you're gonna have a really good understanding of the school that you feel is the best fit for you academically, athletically, but also the vibe of the college, the environment, the campus, and all that. Yeah, okay. Another question I have. I, I, I have been on a conversation with uh, some high school players that I know. And uh, is mm -hmm. there a cert, certi, uh, certified year that uh, you can recruit players? I heard that some of them, they already received on a freshman year or a, on a sophomore year. Uh, invitation for college is that a, a certain uh, year where the college coaches do they reach to the high school players uh, those might be invitations to to go to different id camps that uh, okay. colleges uh, that colleges host sometimes okay. uh, and those id camps Uh, you can go there as a freshman, as a sophomore. You can attend those ID camps. Uh, so that that is probably the invitation you're talking about. Uh, you cannot have an official visit during your freshman year, sophomore year, but you can have uh, you can go and attend an ID camp uh, and college uh, showcases and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that's that's probably. Uh, what you're talking about but usually all the restrictions usually uh, come off after the junior year of of uh, of a kid in high school usually after of a player in high school usually after the junior year there's no more restrictions but uh, yeah for ID camps players can attend those even sooner than that okay okay just to clarify for everyone so uh Is 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 uh, is there is there something that uh, you might want to add for all the high school players 
anything on your viewpoint of uh, coaching college players? Uh, yeah, I mean the 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 main thing that I it's I feel like it's very important to always emphasize for us coaches to high school players is just the importance of that academics play in their decision to go to college. Uh, make sure that wherever you go, it's always whether you know it's it's good to have a good fit athletically but also make sure that don't, don't neglect the academic side of things because again uh, most likely for most of the players that they go and play in college when they finish playing college most of them the big major majority of them they don't play professionally afterwards so what they do with that degree is very important for the rest of their lives So make sure that you're really focusing on finding also the right academic uh, fit for you as uh, uh, along with the athletic uh, part. So I think that's a message that I cannot emphasize enough for players when they make the, uh, their decision. Yeah. Okay. So really, thank you for uh, being a part of our podcast. And we really enjoyed, me and Coach enjoyed uh, this podcast. And thank you for all the clarification and all the word you send or the message you send to the high school players. And uh, it's, it's something like uh, is more, more important that they know what uh, at least what D3 level of uh, colleges looks like. And also mm -hmm. some of the things might be same even on D1 or D2, which is mm -hmm. kind of important. And, definitely, uh, definitely. Mm -hmm. and Chris, you have anything to add or you have anything to say? Yeah, really, man. Thanks. I appreciate uh, everything for coming on to the podcast and, and sharing no all problem. this very useful information. Uh, I'm a believer of, of just learning, you know, just this conversation for an hour and a half. I've learned a lot. Um, so thanks for sharing your insight. Definitely, definitely. definitely. Any, anytime, guys. It was a pleasure. Um, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, I'm always open for uh, to come onto your show anytime. Thank you. So no thank problem. you, guys, okay. for... Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I just said have a good one. <laughs> okay, thank you, Ridi. So thank you guys for listening another podcast uh, with um, me and Chris. Successful, very successful episode here today. And, um, you know, for all the guys you want to get into college, you should take these notes that Coach uh, Ridi gave you because it's, it's, it's important. And I, and I, loved, I loved how he always emphasized Education, athletics. You know, you want to make your decision based off of the education part first, and then the athletics. Uh, it's uh, unfortunate sometimes it's the other way around, and players, you know, like you said, it may not always happen, the dream. So you want to be able to have your backup plan. You want to make sure that you can fall back on something just in case the football doesn't work out. Um, so that's, that's super important, you know, just to keep pushing. We're not saying the dream is not going to happen, but It's a very slim chance. There are so many uh, different scenarios that play out um, for this dream to happen, and you just have to be able to cover yourself on all ends yeah. should it not work out. 
and um, fathom, I don't know. Yeah, I have. I, I just need to have uh, to add something else uh, for you who just listened all the way to the end, and you decided to join John Jay College. You just when you reach Coach Reedy, just tell him that you listen to the podcast, half time talk with Chris, and he will give you <laughs> a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not for me. I, I, listen, I, he makes his own decisions. I, I, he can take that up with Coach Reed. But uh, guys, I want to appreciate everybody for listening in. And uh, you know, every episode, I like to say these very simple words: love, don't hate, and work hard. I'll see, see you guys, guys. On the next episode.